You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. All right, everybody. Well, let's pray and we'll get into the word. I am very excited about what we're going to talk about tonight. I know I say that every week, but but I really am. So let's have a good time in the word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, thank you for uh, your love for us. Thank you for what Jesus has already accomplished for us. Thank you for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that through him we are born again, that we're alive in you, that, Father, we've been forgiven and cleansed and healed and delivered. And, Lord, we just thank you and praise you tonight that we're going to study the Word of God. And I thank you that when we do, Father, you're going to teach us and you're going to bring revelation and insight into our hearts, Father. And, Lord, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus called him the teacher. And so we expect to be taught tonight. We expect to be changed. And I thank you, Lord, that as we uh, end our time tonight, all of us are going to be better off than when we started. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's um, let's look at our foundation scripture, our uh, golden text, as Brother Copeland says, for Uh, this particular series. So let's look at John chapter 21 and verse 25. This is week number 10 in our Mm -hmm. series talking about the healings of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so in John 21 and 25, the last verse of the the gospel of John, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible. And it says, there are also many other things which Jesus did, and if they should all be recorded one by one in detail, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain or have room for the books that would be written. So as we've said every single week, uh, you know, we don't have every record of everything that Jesus preached or taught, and we don't have every record of all of the wonderful miracles that he did during his ministry. But we have the ones that the Holy Spirit wanted us to have. And thank God it's enough. You know, we don't have to have all of them. We have enough in the Word that the Holy Spirit inspired people to write. And so we have record of those things. And so as we study them and look at them, uh, I believe that it's more than enough to enable us to be able to receive everything that God has for us. And so... The main thing, the main reason that we're studying these things is because if we can learn what these people did to receive from Jesus, then we can get what they got. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we're looking at this. And that's why we're, uh, we're seeing common things, common threads in each of these, these instances of healings. And uh, so as I tell you every single week, remember, we're paying attention to the details. That's why we're going through them line by line, looking at each verse. And uh, so, again, two reasons that we're studying these things is so that we can receive healing for ourselves and so we can be equipped to minister healing to other people. And so we're going to get into some of those things tonight. Now, you remember I told you uh, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, don't turn there. But in Matthew 4, 23, the scripture tells us that Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So what we see here is a general overview of Jesus' ministry. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. And so those three things were the keynotes of his particular ministry And so we're emphasizing what Jesus emphasized. And so I want to encourage you as we study these truths, know that these truths that we look at from Jesus' ministry are are important and for you as well as they are and were for the people of Jesus' day. So one of the reasons that we're talking about healing 
is that what you hear is what you're going to have faith to receive. And my prayer is, my desire is, that as we study these things, that people will be healed. I believe you and, and, and uh, me, we can receive our healing as we look at these cases throughout the Gospels. And so uh, it's so important. So let's look over at John chapter 4, John's mm-hmm. Gospel, the 46th chapter. I mean, the fourth chapter, excuse me, in the 46th verse, rather. So John chapter 4 and verse 46. And we're going to look at a healing that took place um, in this particular case. And so in John 4 and verse 46, it says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee. Now, we introduced this last week, but we're going to go into more detail this week. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So Jesus is in the village of Cana, but this man was from Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and to heal his son. And so, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. So Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. And so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. And so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household. And this again is the second sign or the second miracle Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Now, a couple of points, and and you'll understand the the relevance of this in just a moment, but Cana was a day's journey, and of course they walked everywhere they went, so Cana was a day's journey from Capernaum. Now, if you'll recall, Jesus' ministry was based in Capernaum. When he was rejected in Nazareth by his hometown folks, he moved his ministry down along the edge of the Sea of Galilee and uh, in the village of Capernaum and based his headquarters there. And so this nobleman happened to be from Capernaum. And so let's look at verses 46 and 47 again. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, the scripture is very specific in mentioning that this is the second miracle that Jesus did in this area of Galilee. And of course, the first miracle was at the wedding of Cana, where Jesus turned the water into wine. Now, as we mentioned to you last week, uh, we don't know this for sure, but it could be that this nobleman was at that particular wedding and saw the miracle in which Jesus did, and uh, or you know he just heard about the ministry of Jesus from Capernaum and uh, followed him or came all the way up to Cana when he found out he was there. the The important thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that the nobleman had enough faith to come to Jesus and ask him to come down and heal his son. So again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there is something that this man heard that prompted him or inspired him to come and and seek the ministry of Jesus. And so again, as we mentioned to you last week, we can assume that the son uh, was of age. He was a child, a small child where his father could pray and use his faith on his behalf Uh, because Jesus allowed the father to intercede on behalf of the child and ask Jesus to minister on his behalf. And so in John chapter 4, verse 48, Jesus responded to the father in a very unusual way, and he said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now, 
Jesus wasn't rebuking the Father. Let me read it to you from the Bible in basic English. It said this, Then Jesus said to him, You will not have faith if you do not see signs and wonders. Now again, for the sake of review, I mentioned it just a moment ago. How does faith come? How does it come into someone's heart? By hearing. By hearing the word of God. Faith never comes by seeing a miracle. That's why it's very important uh, that you notice in Jesus' ministry, you don't just see him perform a miracle without there being preaching and teaching that goes along with it. So um, what, this, what Jesus was pointing out to the man was that his faith was misplaced. His faith was in, if I can just get Jesus to my house, then my son will be healed. And so he was looking at Jesus um, in the sense of that Jesus was a religious object, and if I can just get this religious object close to my son, then my son will be healed. And so, as we all know, that's the wrong approach to, to approach Jesus with. And so his faith was based more on the spectacular than it was the supernatural anointing that was on Jesus' life. And so I mentioned to you, Brother Hagin said, uh, you know, many years ago, I heard him say this in Bible school, that many will seek the spectacular and miss the supernatural. You know, it's okay to desire to experience a miracle if you need one, but don't let your faith be based on whether you see a miracle or not. Um, you know, and many people operate that way. And many people, uh, you know, Thomas, remember the story of, of Thomas? We call him Doubting Thomas for this particular reason. But in uh, John chapter 20, uh, it says that, that Jesus appeared to some of the disciples, and then they came back and told Thomas that they had seen the Lord. And Thomas said, well, unless I can see him, I will not believe. Unless I can take my finger and put it in the nail print in his hands, thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, later on, Jesus appeared to the disciples a second time, and the scripture tells us that Jesus told Thomas, he looked right at Thomas first thing, and he said, Thomas, he said, take your finger, put it into my hands, take your hand, thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. In other words, Thomas was basing his faith on whether he could touch, feel, or experience Jesus in some kind of natural way. And so that is not faith at all. That is basically being moved by what you see, feel, hear, and experience in the natural. So what I want you to see is, is that uh, Jesus didn't give up on the man. He didn't turn and walk away from the man. Jesus took it upon himself because of his desire to help the man to help him get his faith directed in the right direction. So again, um, let's see. Let's go to the next verse. In John uh, verse 4, verse 49, the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. So what did the man ask Jesus to do? He asked Jesus to come to his house and to minister to his son, to pray for his son or do whatever he did. And so Jesus, in verse 50, said to the father, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Now I want you to notice something. Jesus did not do anything that the man asked him to do. He didn't come to his house with him. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't even pray for his son. And you know what? I want to say this to you. <clears throat> there are times in dealing and helping people and ministering to people that you don't have to pray. Sometimes you can just speak the word and the word is enough to take care of the situation. You know, the scripture says, and we'll look at this first later on, <coughs> excuse me, the scripture tells us in the Old Testament that God sent his word and healed the people. So what I want you to see is this, is that you don't always have to have somebody pray for you. You can take the word of God and you can speak the word of God over your own life and receive 
what it is that the word is declaring. So Jesus did nothing that this man asked him to do. He didn't go to the man's house. He didn't even pray for the man's son. Now, I want you to notice a difference. Remember when we studied Jairus and Jairus' daughter, you know, Jesus asked him to come down to his, or Jairus asked Jesus to come down to his house and minister to his daughter. Well, the scripture tells us that Jesus followed him to Jairus' house. Well, what was the difference? Jairus' faith was in the right place. This man's faith was not in the right place. And Jesus had to get his faith corrected so that the man would be able to receive on his son's behalf. I want you to notice this and, and, and remember this. As long as your faith is misplaced, it's the same as having no faith. Okay? And you will not be able to receive from the Lord as long as you have misplaced faith. So what did Jesus do? Jesus did what was necessary to raise this man's level of faith. Jesus did what was best for this man's level of faith. Let me, let me say it to you this way. It was not the best thing for the man or his son for Jesus to go to his house. It was not the best thing for the man's faith and for his son for Jesus to even pray for the boy. No, the best thing that Jesus could do is exactly what he did. And so instead of coming to his house, instead of laying hands on his son, instead of praying for his son, Jesus said, I'm going to do something better. I'm going to give you something better than me coming to your house. I'm going to give you my words. His words are much more powerful than him physically walking into your house. You know, people say, well, if I could just get Jesus to appear to me, then I would really believe and be able to receive. No, you have something in your possession that is much more powerful than a physical manifestation of Jesus walking into your house. You have possession of his word. So God wants to bring us all to a place where he was trying to get this man. So he gives the man the word of God to believe so he could put his faith in the word and not what he could see and experience. And Jesus will do the same thing for us. He will always try to move people to a place where we believe the word of God. So Jesus wanted the man to believe that his son was healed, get this, just because Jesus said so. And I want to say this to you. Jesus wants to bring you to the same place. He wants you to believe that you are healed just because Jesus said so. Not because you have somebody lay hands on you. No, nothing wrong with that. We believe in that. Not, uh, not because you see an angel. Not because you have a visitation from the Lord Jesus. Jesus wants you to receive your healing simply because he said you are healed. Now, as we see, this worked. This plan that Jesus did trying to help the Father, it worked. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. That's exactly what it says. Verse 50 says, Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. So he took Jesus at his word. This is the kind of faith that pleases God. Faith that simply takes him at his word without any proof or evidence that anything has changed in the natural. Now let me say that again. This is the kind of faith that pleases God. This is the kind of faith that Jesus marveled at in his ministry. This is faith that simply takes him takes God at his word without any proof or evidence in the natural. And that's the highest kind of faith. That's the highest level of faith. So how do we know that this man believed? Well, the scripture tells us the man believed and he went his way. So he obeyed Jesus and put action to what he believed. He walked off. He turned around, walked off from Jesus. Look at this as though what Jesus said 
was done and that his son was healed. Now, I mentioned to you that it's a day's journey from Cana down to Capernaum on foot. Now, one of the reasons that Jesus had to bring this man to the, to the point where his faith was in his word is, get this, because the man needed something to hold on to between the time he left Jesus' presence and the time he got to his son. Because there was a whole day's period there where the man could have been battling, uh, you know, is, is Jesus' word really the truth? Is it really going to come to pass? Is my son really healed? And if Jesus had not given him this word, he would have had nothing to hang on to. And Jesus is giving you his word because you need something to hang on to between the amen of your prayer and the time when the manifestation or the answer to your prayer shows up. You need something to hold on to. And that's why God gave us his word. All right. So the man turned away, turned around, walked away from Jesus, walked all the way home. And so the, the what's interesting is the man did not listen to me carefully. The man had no way of knowing whether his son's condition had changed until 24 hours after Jesus spoke to him. He had no way of knowing in the natural, for sure, uh, as far as natural change is concerned, that anything had changed. All he had was the word to hang on to. All he had was what Jesus said. And Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. Now look at verse 51. It says, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. The King James Version says that when he began to amend. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. All right. Now, in the New English translation of verse 52, it says this. So he asked them the time when the boy's condition began to improve. And they told him, Yesterday at one o'clock in the afternoon, the fever left him. That's the seventh hour. All right. Now, here's what I want you to see. This healing was not an instantaneous miracle. This healing was a process. And there are going to be times where healing comes as a process in your life and in mine. There are going to be times, I would venture to say more times than not, that healing will be a process and not an instantaneous miracle. And that's where faith comes in. Because if you know, you're dealing with some type, of, some type of sickness and disease in your body, and you pray the Word of God, you speak the Word of God, and you receive your healing, you might not receive a full, or experience rather, a full manifestation of that healing immediately. What are you going to do between the time that you pray and the time the full manifestation comes? Where well, you're going to have to hold on and hang on to that word that says, by his stripes, you were healed. You're going to have to hang on to God's word. And so what began to happen is at one o'clock in the afternoon, the boy's healing began to take place. But what I want you to see is, is that it took time for the healing to fully manifest. And so with you and me, it may take time for the healing to manifest. I'll say it another way. It may take time for that financial situation to change. It may take time for that person that you're praying for uh, to experience whatever it is that God wants for them. It may take time for change to take place in the natural. But this is where faith comes in and where we have to stand in faith. Now, I want to say this, and I'm going to take a little rabbit trail for just a moment. I am so thankful for the tweaks, if you will, T-W-E-A-K-S, that God gives us. I'm so thankful for additional revelation. And you're going to find the more you walk with the Lord and the longer you walk with the Lord, 
um, that you're going to find God ministering things to you and, and helping you in your faith by helping you make some adjustments. And I'm talking about just minor little tweaks and adjustments that you'll have to make. And the reason that the Holy Spirit does this is because he wants you to receive whatever it is. He wants your faith to work. And so if there is an area where we need to make a minor adjustment and that minor adjustment or that minor uh, situation might be keeping us from receiving, the Holy Spirit wants to help us in making those minor adjustments. Well, why am I saying that to you? Well, uh, let's put your little marker thing there in John 4 and let's back up to Mark 11, 24. And I want to show you something about faith here. And I believe this is going to help you because this has helped me tremendously. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Very popular, very famous scripture that are in ministry that Jesus gave to us. Now I want to say something to you. Um, you know, this is the story where Jesus cursed the fig tree. And when he cursed it, there was no immediate physical change on the outside that they could see. And it was the full 24 hours later when the disciples and Jesus walked by that Peter pointed out that the tree had withered from the roots and, uh, or, or that the tree had withered. And Jesus immediately addressed it and he said this, have the God kind of faith. Verse 22 says, have faith in God. The original text says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. Then he tells us in verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, will be done he will have whatever he says. Now, for the sake of this lesson, in your thinking, what I want you to do is break verse 23 and verse 24 apart from each other. I know Jesus said it in the same thought or breath, but here's my point. The application is different in verse 23 than it is in verse 24. Notice what verse 23 talks about. Whosoever shall say to the mountain and shall believe in his heart that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Now, what is it in verse 23 that we are supposed to believe? Well, what Jesus told us is when we speak words of faith and we speak to a situation, we are to believe this, that what we say is coming to pass. Okay? Pay attention to my words because I'm saying it that way on purpose, just like Jesus said. He said this, whoever says to the mountain, be removed, be thou cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says, and the old King James says, shall come to pass. Now here's my point. That means it is something that is happening in the future, not something that is happening where you can see it and experience it right now in the natural. It is something that is taking place and you'll see the full manifestation of it as time passes. But your faith is in this, that what I say comes to pass. All right, are you following me? You're tracking with me? Okay, yes, let me, all right, and let's go to verse 24 and I'll show you the difference. Verse 24, Jesus said this, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So in verse 24, Jesus tells us that when you pray, now notice he didn't say anything about praying in verse 23. He said, he talked about saying. So when you pray, it's a little bit different than what he said in verse 23. So in verse 24, Jesus said this, when you pray, believe that you receive the answer when you pray and you'll have the answer. All right. Now, what did Jesus say in verse 24? We are to believe. We are to believe 
that we receive the answer. Now here's the, the tweet that I want you to get, the, the adjustment, all right? Here's what Jesus, um, here's what we do. Let me say it to you that way. We have a tendency to make the, write the, I tell you what, write this down in your notes. Receiving and manifestation are two different things. Receiving and the manifestation are two different things. And it's very important that we understand the difference in that. Because in verse 24, Mark 11, 24, Jesus did not say, believe for the manifestation. He said, believe that you receive. So receiving and the manifestation are two different things. And what we do is we, a lot of times, we think that our faith is what is producing the manifestation, and it's not. Your faith is in the receiving, and God's power is responsible for the manifestation. All right? Amen. All right, so the word receive there in the Greek language means this, to actively take or to take hold of. Okay, and receiving is something that we do in our heart. Manifestation is something that takes place in the natural realm. All right, now track with me carefully. Receiving is a spiritual act of your faith in your heart. Manifestation is something that takes place in the natural, in the seen the sense realm out here where you can experience it naturally. All right. So here's what receiving is. Receiving is, is simply coming into agreement with God's word and believing that in your heart and saying it with your mouth. I receive whatever it is that you're receiving. Okay. Now, here's what I want you to see. Let me give you an edited version of Mark 11:24 that will help you understand where I'm going and what I'm trying to get you to see. Here's an edited version based on what we're saying. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them with your heart, and then you will have them manifested in the natural. So here's what I want you to see. Take the manifestation pressure off of you. I'm going to say that again. Take the pressure of manifesting the answer off of you. That is not your job. That's God's job. Your job is to believe that you receive. And see, because we haven't clearly understood that, I think what has happened is it's short-circuited our faith because we, over time especially, we begin to think, well, my faith is not strong enough because I don't see a manifestation of that. Well, you're not supposed to believe for the manifestation of it. You're supposed to believe that you receive it and let God handle the manifestation of it. Are you seeing the difference? Okay, yes. I, 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 it's just a minor, minor little adjustment, but it'll help you where your faith is concerned. So here, let me give you an example. Let's say you're praying for something. And, and uh, so you pray and, and notice he said, when you pray. So at the time we pray, we believe that we receive. We receive what? We receive the answer to our prayer. Now, that does not mean the manifestation of it. It just means that you have received the answer in your heart. Okay? And I'm going to illustrate this for you in just a second. So, between the time you say amen, where we have struggled is thinking that our faith is trying to generate the manifestation. Your faith can't manif uh, generate a manifestation. Only God's power can do that. But your faith can receive the answer. So what I'm saying to you is this. 
that with your faith you lay hold of the answer before the manifestation ever shows up, and then you just rest in the fact that I have the answer in my heart because I received it by faith, and I'm letting God do the work of the manifestation. All right? Are you, are you tracking with me? Because I don't want to lose you in this. I want you to see this very closely. All right? Let me give you a very, very clear illustration. What do we call it when someone gets saved or gets born again? What do they do? They receive salvation. They receive salvation or receive Christ. Okay? So, what we do when we get saved is, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, we believe in our hearts that Jesus died for us, that we, he was raised from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. And the Bible says when we do that, we are saved. Okay? Now, um, you have, like Brenda said, you have received salvation. Where? In your heart. Okay? Mm -hmm. You were born again in your spirit. Nothing out here has changed. Nothing physically has changed. Uh, even in your soulish realm, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions, even those areas might not have changed. Okay? Let me take it a step further. Um, how many of you that because you are saved, because you have received Christ, you are going to heaven? Well, of course, that's all of us. All right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, how many of you are struggling, trying, I mean, working? Ugh, oh, I got to stand in faith to get heaven to be real. I got to no. stand in faith to make sure heaven manifests itself. No. None of us are doing that. You know no. why? Because we have an assurance of faith in our heart that we have received salvation. But heaven is God's responsibility. Me getting there is God's responsibility. All the wonderful things about heaven are God's responsibility. I'm not on earth struggling with my faith, trying to believe that heaven's real, trying to believe for a manifestation of heaven. That's not my responsibility. That's all God's responsibility. My responsibility, excuse me, <clears throat> is to believe in my heart that Jesus is the Lord of my life and He is my Savior. That's my responsibility. Okay? Mm -hmm. What I'm wanting you to see is everything with faith is exactly the same way. So if I need healing in my body, what do I do? Well, I go to the Word and the Word says that Jesus has redeemed me from the curse of the law uh, other scriptures that Jesus took my infirmities, bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases, and with his stripes, I am healed. All right? So what I do is by faith, I receive my healing. All right? So I say this. I say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, your word says that Jesus took my sicknesses, bore my diseases, and with his stripes, I am healed. So, Father, right now at 7.45 on March the 9th, I receive my healing, and I thank you for it. Amen. All right? So what have I done? I have received. I've received it in my heart. I've spoken words with my mouth. Now, the manifestation is up to the power of God to cause it to come to pass. My faith is not struggling. Oh, I got to get the manifestation of my healing. Oh, I got to struggle with my faith and get my healing. Oh, I got to get my healing to manifest. No, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to believe that I receive. God's responsibility is the manifestation. Are you following me? Yes. Is that clear? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Anybody don't understand that, let me know because I'll help you. All right. Now go over with me to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3. Somebody says, What's this got to do with the nobleman's son? Everything. 
because you're going to see why the nobleman's son got healed. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3. And I want to just look at the very first part of that verse. Notice what it says. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest. See, there, you need to understand something about faith. There's a rest that comes with faith. In other words, there is, it's not a feeling, but it is in your heart. There is a rest, a peace that comes with faith. The Passion Translation says this, For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Because here's why. My responsibility is to believe that I receive it and that I have it by faith. The manifestation is not my responsibility. So here's what I'm trying to help us to do. Take that pressure off of your faith for trying to manifest whatever it is that you're believing God for. Now, there is a stand of faith that we have to take. The scripture tells us there's a posture of faith, but the manifestation is not your responsibility. Let God do his job and you do your job. And that is to believe that you receive. All right. So faith brings about a rest because there is a knowing that we have received the answer. Let me say it to you this way, going back to my illustration of salvation. How many of you are worried and agitated about your salvation? Anybody? Because if you are, we need to pray tonight. Okay? None of us are agitated, worried, or anxious about our salvation. Why? There's a peace. There's a rest. I have a rest in my heart knowing that at some point, one day, I'm going to heaven. Why? Because I have received my salvation. All right? So what I want us to see is that the same thing, the same way faith works in every area. You don't have to wait for the manifestation to show up to enter into that rest. I'm not waiting until I get to heaven to believe that I'm going to heaven and that I'm entering into the rest that Christianity and my faith in the Lord Jesus provides. I'm experiencing that now, and I'm letting God handle the part about getting me to heaven. All right? Do you, do you understand that? Okay? Now, so I'm wanting you to see, number one, the difference between Mark 11, 23 and Mark 11, 24. It's two different applications of your faith. Mark 11, 23 is about you saying and believing that your words are coming to pass. Mark 11, 24 is about you praying and believing that you receive the answer at the moment that you pray and you just rest in that faith until the manifestation comes. All right? Do you see the difference? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Because if you don't, let me know. Okay. Now, go um, go back to John chapter 4. And uh, look at verse... Again, Jesus said in verse 50, Go your way, your son lives. So what the father did is he received what Jesus said in his heart. And as far as he was done, uh, concerned, it was a done deal. Because notice we have no record that the father worried, was agitated, was anxious. He mumbled all the way home. I don't know if this is going to happen or not. Oh, I hope what Jesus said will come to pass. I, I, not, he didn't do any of that. 
All he did was he turned, he believed, the scripture says, what Jesus said, and he went his way. So what I'm wanting you to see is you can believe what Jesus said, what the word says, receive the answer, and go about your way. Go about your business. Okay? Now, look at verse 53. So after this conversation with the servants, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. Now, I want you to notice something. Because of the authority that the father had, he could have stopped the words that Jesus spoke from coming to pass. If he had, if he had fretted, if he had worried, if he had gotten anxious, if he had doubted, and gotten over into unbelief where Jesus said, I just don't know if that's going to come to pass. I don't know what he told me that for. Because after all, I mean, you know, no, he didn't do any of that. And because he did and because of the position that he was in, God was able to move in the life of his son. So it says that Jesus said to him, your son lives. Now notice what happened. And he himself, the man, believed and his whole household. Now, what did the man believe at this point? That Jesus was the anointed one. That what Jesus says come to pass, comes to pass. He believed the words of Jesus when he turned around and walked away from Jesus. But now, because the manifestation has taken place, his, his belief goes to a different level because Jesus has proven who he is. All right, now notice something else that it says. And it says, he himself believed and his whole household. Now, this could have been another part of why Jesus handled it this way. Because this had a greater impact on the man's household than, it, than if Jesus had shown up at his house. Okay? We see where family members believed. We see that surely, you know, if his family members believed, surely people in the neighborhood believed. Maybe other people in Capernaum heard about what happened and they believed, all right? So here's what I want you to see. Healing is a doorway that brought blessing to this man's entire family. Amen. Okay? Think about that. When God moves on your behalf, it could be something that opens the hearts of family members, friends, co-workers, whatever it might be, and God will use that situation to minister to other people. In other words, when the healing, uh, when when your healing manifests and you're walking in that the fullness of that, it's a testimony to all those who are around you and are and are watching your life. Now, notice this: Jesus did not physically walk in the man's house and manifest himself. Yet, the healing caused by Jesus' word affected this whole man's household. Think about that. All right? So the greater impact came when this man chose to believe the words of Jesus. So Jesus sent his word into the man's house, get this, and it was more powerful than Jesus physically walking into the man's house. Okay? You have... Jesus' word right here. You have it sitting there right in front of you. That is more powerful than if Jesus was to walk in your room right now. Okay? It will accomplish much more than if Jesus physically walked in. So here's what I want you to see. Just seeing Jesus in the natural is not an indicator that you'll receive. You know how I know that? There were tons of people who saw Jesus in the natural and did not receive. Mm -hmm. So don't ever let your heart go to a place where you're, oh, Jesus, if you would just appear to me, I sure it sure would help my faith. No, it wouldn't. Because there are people who saw Jesus every day during his ministry, yet none of them, I mean, that, that we'd have record of, None of them received from Jesus. You know there are people who needed healing, who saw Jesus physically, 
and left his presence physically and did not get healed. Why is that? Because seeing Jesus, experiencing him in the natural, is not as powerful as receiving his word and letting his word work in your heart and faith arising so that you can receive from him. All right? No one who sees Jesus receives healing. People who believe Jesus receive healing. And we need to understand that, okay? So understand the difference. And then, you know, lastly, that verse I quoted earlier, Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His word and healed them, talking about the children of Israel, and delivered them from their destructions. So here's what I, the whole point of what I'm wanting you to see. Jesus and the Father God would rather you receive from His Word whatever it is that you need in your life than you get an angelic visitation or something to experience in the natural. No, He wants you to receive it in His Word, receive it in your heart from His Word, and then let him handle the manifestation of it as as time passes or has you know as it sees fit all right so but but i want you to see this and i don't want you to have your faith misplaced i want your faith to be able to work and to receive what jesus has for you all right did you get that tonight i hope i made it very very clear because I want you to get it, and it's just a minor, minor little adjustment. But sometimes, you know, it's like Jesus said, it's the little foxes that can spoil the vines. In other words, it's the little details that sometimes can trip us up and keep us from being able to receive what Jesus has for us. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.